There's actually a, that's not the title of the thing. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but this is the point that we're on, student of people. We're supposed to be a student of God's word is the title of the lesson, I believe. Uh, student of people is where we uh, got to. Of course, our text verse for the lesson is Second uh, Timothy 2.15. That should be probably there at the start of your outline. Uh, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me ask, is there anybody that needs an outline this morning? Miss Susan needs one, Miss Rita needs one, Miss Gail, what's wrong with this? And Jerry needs one, it's all right over here, and Tim needs one, okay, so we are spread out a little bit. That's, we got five more, brother? Okay, there you got, oh, I mean more than that. Okay, so a student of God's word and then a student of people. Now, a lot of people are a student of people because they go to the mall and watch people. That's not as interesting as it used to be because there's nobody at the mall anymore. <laughs> I thought about uh, today that uh, it's hard to believe that they had to make rules and regulations at the mall because there was too many young people there. I don't think that's a problem anymore. Uh, and maybe building back up some, but but it's a student of, the, of people that live for the Lord and studying what they did. But we learn from whomever we can. God brings people in, into our lives that we may learn from them, uh, from some people, we learn what we ought to do, and some people, we learn what not to do. And it's important, really, to learn uh, both of these things. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm glad Hitler was not a very good student of, of history of, because had he, had he been a good student of history, he would have never marched on Russia. And he might have won. That was one of the big things. Of course, if God wanted to lose, he lost. One of the big things that he did, all he had to do was go back to the French Revolution when they marched on Russia and lost. Because Russia, I've lost, y'all not history fans, so Brother Bobby, I'm going to leave. I see Bobby nodding his head, everybody else says, what's he talking about? <laughs> but we need to, God allows us to have information come into our lives in different ways. And one of those ways is people. And we need to learn from what we see and what we experience. Uh, number one, we need to learn from people from uh, the past. Wise is the person who will learn from people of the past. We can learn rich lessons from people in the past. Uh, when we find a, well a life well lived, we should see the cause of that and what they did and to try to incorporate some of that into our uh, lives if they honored Christ with their life. Uh, scripture gives us a lot of examples of people in the past that we could model our lives by. Uh, Joseph's life teaches that no matter how dark the night, God will never leave us or forsake us. Now, many times it looked like Joseph was forsaken, didn't it? But we know now, because we've seen the end of the story, that he was not forsaken. And the best part of the story that we learn from Joseph is to realize that he was never forsaken, even 
in the times of being forsaken. That sounds like wishy-washy talk, but he wasn't really forsaken. He knew that God knew where he was all the time. Moses' experience as a child in the Anarcha bull rushes in the Nile River teaches us that God will never leave us, that he watches over us. Gideon's life teaches us that through God we can overcome seemingly insurmountable adversity. Ruth's life teaches that there is a kinsman redeemer. Jonah's life teaches us that nothing is too hard for God. Jose's example teaches us that we can forgive regardless how bad we have been wrong. Yes, you can. Nicodemus' life teaches that no matter our social standing, we still must be born again. Paul's life teaches us that God can use anyone in a great way regardless of their past. So the Bible is full of examples, and I'm so thankful for these examples of how we should live, and not only uh, of how we should live, it's not a list of how we should live, but it is a a life lived, and we can say it can be done. You know, you can put all kinds, you can write all kinds of stuff that's impossible, but God does not write the impossible. Everything God writes, God says, is possible through him. Paul explained these things were our examples. One of the best ways we can learn from people in the past is to ask ourselves questions about their lives. Why did God include this person's life in Scripture? What truths or principles can I learn from this person's life? What in this person's life should I imitate and what should I avoid? Asking questions stimulates our minds to specifically articulate how we can learn from those who have gone before. I mean, if you just read about them and say, oh, that was good, well, you know a little bit about them. But if you study uh, line upon line of the Word of God about that person and ask, ask these questions and ask questions about it, why, when, how, and then apply it to your life. It's hard to take the life of Joseph as a whole, and boom, put on your life. But if you can ask the individual verses in the Bible and ask questions about it through the Holy Spirit and see how that can be applied to your life. I used to ask, this is, this is what I mean by, uh, what word did I use up here? Well, it's over somewhere. Anyway, the way we get our minds to working. I had a word for it a while ago. <laughs> Can't find it. You, you get your mind to working when you ask questions about something. Now, when our children was growing up, and some of y'all heard this before, uh, like almost all children, sometimes it's hard to get them out of bed. If it's a school morning, it's hard to get them out of bed. It's hard to get them to wake up. So you could go tell them 10 times to get up, and they're still there, right? Even the threat of a spanking, they may still be in bed. So what I did, I would go in and say say something like this. That boy last week that said this to this person, did they ever do anything to him in school? They're awake. 
I didn't find out until recently that neither one of them ever caught on to it. I was maybe I might have been telling this to I was telling somebody or preaching or teaching preaching maybe I don't know, and my, my daughter heard it. She said, "Is that what you were doing?" I asked Caleb about it the other day, and he said, I, yeah, I used to go to school and said, Daddy asked me this crazy question this morning. And he, asked, you know, and he would tell somebody what, he asked, what I asked, you know. They didn't know. So don't tell your kids what you're doing. Then that's, that's all gone. But it, it gets your mind to working when you have to answer a question. Ask, asking questions about what we read is much like using the list of questions, and some of you know what I'm talking about, and I know some of you haven't been here that long, and you probably don't know what I'm about to talk about. Uh, when I told how to write your testimony out, right, and about when you were saved, how you were saved, who brought you to the Lord, where you was, and different questions, and I give you a list. It's a double-column, full-page list of questions to ask yourself about your salvation. If you would desire to have that list, I have some to give you if you would like to see it or like to have it rather I'll give it to you and I encourage you again once again to write out the story of your salvation ask the questions go back and think and if you do it and spend some time about it and ask questions about it you'll see how, how wonderfully God brought you to salvation it wasn't regardless although I say this many times it wasn't my grandfather's plan for me to be saved that week, although he was used of God, but it was God's plan all along for me to be saved that week. Where was I here? Now I have lost my spot. You have to overcome the spoon-feeding method of learning. When you're in grade school and even in high school, and when you went to school, that was spoon feeding okay they give you a lesson they told you to read it they give you questions they went over it in class they had a time where they went over the exam before the exam basically telling you all the questions that was going to be on the exam and then you had the exam I was a very good exam taker because I, I would figure the teacher out and I could tell by the way they were talking what they're going to ask so I did pretty good. I, I was a good tester, okay? Probably people didn't learn more than I did, but I was a good tester. But you have to ask the questions yourself. In college, they give you a book, read it. They'll give you a, maybe, maybe give you a lecture on it and then give you an exam. Or that's the way they used to say they did it. I don't know what they do now. So you have the Word of God, Right? And you have the preaching of the Word of God, and you have the teaching of the Word of God, but you have to get in and study it yourself and ask questions about it yourself and ask questions about people in the Word of God. Don't answer, don't answer this out loud, but in your mind. What person in the past should you be sure, sure to learn from? What person in your past? The answer is the same for each one of you. You. But we fail to do it, don't we? We should ask ourselves questions about our own lives. When you make mistakes, 
Don't wallow in them, but learn from them. I've had family members that made the same mistakes in their life. Not saying I never did, but I mean live 40 to 50 years of their life repeating the same mistake over and over. Each time thinking that they were doing something different, but standing back, you could see they were doing the exact same thing and just wallowing in their own misery. Learn from your past. Let God control the present. And he will change your future. That works every time. Brother Jerry, you ever seen that work? Absolutely. All right. That's people from the past. People from uh, the present. Whether you like them or not. No, I'm just kidding. Greatness is often unknown, unnoticed in its own generation. A wise student will strive to learn from those around him. Scripture points out a specific group we should learn from. Our spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember them which have rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Now it says whose faith to follow. Whose faith follow. We are to follow the faith of our spiritual leaders today. The word follow here literally means to imitate or to mimic. It doesn't mean watch them do it. It means see what they're doing and you do it too. Conversation is an old English word that means manner of life, conduct, behavior. So considering the end of their conversation in the verse means to figure out how they got to where they are. So you see their lives, how did they get there? You see a, a life that you believe, you feel in God's eyes, is something God-honoring, and it is a life to emulate, to imitate. Then you have to ask yourself, how did they get there? 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be, your, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And again, Paul here did not mean just follow me and watch me, but follow me and do. Daniel's sterling character was noticed by those around him. Those who sought to find, find fault in him realized the only way they could do anything to him was to make a law against what they knew he would do, which was to pray. So they made a law not to pray. Daniel 6, 7, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And of course, this, this heaped up the, uh, the heart of the king and he said, yes, that sounds good. And they did that, and of course Daniel was cast into the den of lions. But it, he had no harm come to him, did he? But even while Daniel was still alive, he was ranked with such heroes as Noah and Job. And this is in Ezekiel, and Ezekiel lived in the same time period as Daniel. 
he was talking about the wickedness of Israel in Ezekiel 14, 14. He says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Could you imagine your name be put in there between Noah and Job? And this wasn't, you know, it's not us looking back at the Bible and saying, well, I could put plenty of people in the Bible in there. And you could. But this is his comrade watching him today. We wouldn't dare, I don't think we would dare put any of us there. We don't, we don't know enough about us. But we can look in the Bible and see people. But Ezekiel said, hey, he's top notch. As you study the life of Daniel, you'll see. I don't believe you find anything bad about Daniel in the Word of God. John and Charles Wesley impacted two continents for the Lord Jesus Christ. Their lives were a picture of constancy and consistency for the Lord. And revival come uh, from the messages they brought. Uh, but they were ridiculed for their methodical lives. Now, the Wesleys, the Methodists, and as far as I know, I haven't said this out, and I can't say this concretely for sure, but I believe as far as the, the Wesleys believed, John and Charles, not the Wesley church today, believe just like we do today. Except that they did come out from, uh, they are Protestants. They did come out of, they come out of the Church of England, which come out of the Catholic Church, but they believed right. Just as people watched and studied the Wesleys, people are watching and studying our lives as well. Now, you may, your life may never be written about. It may not be millions of people that study your life, but there are people that study your life. But we have to remember this principle of learning. So we have to remember this principle of learning works two ways. Two questions we need to ask ourselves about people from the present. What am I learning from them, good or bad? What are they learning from me, good or bad? That's actually six questions. All right, student of the person of God. All right, yep. God himself is our primary teacher. Amen? Is that right? What we learn from God is right. What you learn from man could very well be right. But if you learn what the Bible says, if you truly learn it, then it's right. When we learn God's attributes and allow God to make us more like himself, Read that last phrase. Allow God to make us more like himself. We can more clearly and fully show him a lost. We can more clearly and fully show him to a lost. Now I've lost track of what this sentence is saying here. <laughs> we can show God to a lost and dying world. So the attributes of God the Father. I remember uh, right after we come to church here, 
pastor, and it might have been in Sunday school, I don't know, probably was. He taught something about the attributes of God. Uh, I got to look out word at it. <laughs> I just, the, the things of God, uh, and I should have written out a definition here, but it's just the things that God does. Everything that God, I started to say the good things that God does, but if God does, it is good. So, but God's attributes include those that belong uniquely to God. There's some things that God does, that God has, that God is, that we cannot do, okay? He's, his omniscience, his om, omnipotence, omnipresence. We can't do that, okay? That's God. He is those things. But we can't do those things. But he possesses attributes that he specifically instructs us to reflect in our lives. Our God is love, so we should be loving. Our God is just, so we should be just. Our God forgives us, so we should forgive others. Our God is faithful, so we should be faithful. Our God is holy, so we should be holy. And if you listen to that list in the order that it is put in right there, you'll see that it's a little increasingly intense and a, a little, we had to pay a little more attention to it. I mean, you say, God is love, so we should be loving. You can get a lot of lost people to agree to that. God is just, so we should be just. Christians, that's a trite. Our God forgives us, so we should forgive others. You'll lose a few, even Christians, right there. Our God is faithful, so we should be faithful. And although most Christians would agree to that, most Christians couldn't say, that's me. And then our God is holy, so we should be holy. You start to narrow down the crowd. But it's all true. Our lives are to be a reflection of our God, drawing others to see the greatness and goodness of the God we know and serve. Studying the attributes of God enables us to know him better and to better understand what he wants us to be. It is wonderful to understand what God is. But it does us no good if we don't change our way to his way. And the attributes of the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ was the one and only God-man. And he is our chief example. Jesus is not a refined man like refined gold. And you get it to, whether you use the .999 pure. He's not a man that became a God and descended into heaven. He's a God that descended to earth and became a man. 1 Peter 2 and 21 for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Charles Sheldon wrote a, a novel, and you've heard this phrase before, and I don't know if the phrase come from what he wrote. I, he probably wrote the novel from the phrase. I, I really don't know. Uh, but what would Jesus do? Yet the only way we will know what Jesus would do in different situations is to study his life and the personal qualities of Jesus. 
we see, for example, that Jesus always displayed the spirit of kindness to children. Jesus was, to was total in devotion and sacrifice. So we need to take time to be alone with God the way he did. Jesus took time to pray and to be with God. So if he did, we certainly did. Jesus answered the temptations of Satan with the word of God. That's the reason we need to know the word of God. When Satan tempts us, we can tell him why we're not going to do it. He did not retaliate or even open his mouth when personally being attacked. That cuts the crowd down, don't it? I mean, we want to immediately get back at somebody when they say something. But that's not what Jesus did. Romans 8, 28, and we know all, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. We're saved to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're not saved to, to live the best that we can figure out. We're saved to be like Jesus. We learn about Christ by reading the Bible, and he uses his word to transform us into his likeness. See, only the Bible can do that. You can read a good book, but there is no power in that good. We're talking about uh, Sheldon's novel. What would Jesus do? That's a good book, but there's nothing in that book unless it's a verse out of the Bible in that book that will transform your life. There's no power in it to do that. But the Bible not only gives you the example to transform your life, but it also gives you the power to transform your life. And that comes through the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many names. And let's see. Yeah, okay. The Holy Spirit has many names, and each of them describe his attributes. Among his many names is Comforter. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. How wonderful it is to know that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is here with us. And we have him, if we will draw to him, he will draw to us. The Holy Spirit is also spoken of as a guide, John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Always remember, the Holy Spirit will point you to Christ, just as Christ always pointed man to God. That's the order. Holy Spirit must, Holy Spirit must be presence for you to be in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit helps us live for God. Isaiah thirty twenty one. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way; walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Ezekiel thirty six twenty seven. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. 
So we need to study the qualities of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was left here to comfort us and to guide us and to show us the way to live. Our study should not be confined to church, but it should be all through our lives. Our reading and meditating and studying has to be a conscious choice. You will not automatically get up on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and through the week and automatically put the things of God into your life. It's going to have to be a conscious choice to do so because your flesh is not going to do it. As God's children, may we be obedient to his command to study, to show thyself approved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for something that we can put our complete trust in, Lord. Uh, we may not understand it, but we always know it's true. And, Lord, but help us to understand all that you would have us to. Lord, if it will help us to live for you, help us to understand it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.